Hello and welcome to the 127th episode of the Sausage Factory, which is brought to you by Spong.com and hosted by me, Chris O'Regan. In this show, we interview video game developers and ask them how they made their start making games, what their influences are and who inspires them. Split into two halves, the show initially focuses on the developer themselves, and in the second half we discuss the games they're here to promote, which in this case is Crystal Rift and Windlands by Cytic Games. John! Who are yes, you? hello. Uh, yes, who are you and what do you do? I'm, well, my name's John Hibbins and I am producer and director of SciTech Games Limited uh, and I make indie games, um, but primarily VR games. Yes, don't you just? Yes. We're here to talk about two of them and they're awesome. And I got, Thank you. you know, I mean, someone did a post on Facebook. There's a PlayStation VR um, group on Facebook dedicated to uh, all things SNES. No, PlayStation VR. And, uh, <laughs> SNES and PlayStation VR. Now, there's something. <laughs> there, there's, there's a thing. Pushed together. Playing That's, SNES uh, games on VR. Do you know what? Work. I've got yeah. similar feelings. The first time I saw a SNES, yeah. this is a true story, right? The first time I saw a SNES was in Nottingham once in the right. middle of England. And I was uh, I walked into one of my favorite, like, they were an importer of consoles. So it was the very first Japanese SNES that they just got from, uh, like, an early version. So they weren't available to buy. Right. You could only get huge amounts of money from this importer. And uh, they had it running on the top of the, um, like, on a screen. And they just played Super Mario World constantly. And do you know what? I was just addicted to standing there and watching it. And whenever they played it, you couldn't, you know, you just couldn't believe and that it was even possible so it was like so and i had the very same feelings when i saw vr for the first time and the only other time i well the only other time i felt that in the middle of all that picture was another super mario when i saw super mario 64 running uh in all its glorious 3d for the first time and played one of the levels and suddenly it was like bam you know gotta have one of these i remember people losing their selves to that amazing just like He's, look, he's climbing a tree. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah, no, I mean, just unbelievable. <laughs> it was. But well, the problem uh, is, at the time, yeah. I was like so ensconced in PC land, because I had a very powerful PC at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was playing Quake and stuff. I'm like, I'm sorry, why is everyone getting so excited? I was like that. I mean, cause this is 20 uh, years uh, ago. So, like, why is everyone... Uh, yeah. I get it now, but at the time, I was like, I'm shooting people in Quake. What's the... No, it was just unbelievable moments of turning of time. And, and I felt yeah. the same with VR in my head, which is why, honestly, Cytec Games exists today, is wow. because I put the VR headset on, on and had that same transformative feeling, which I haven't had for a long time. I mean, I've always been a gamer. I, I absolutely love playing games. Um, and, you know, over the years, there's so many games out now. I've chosen my niches that I play in, in all the games that are available to play games. But I hadn't had that truly turning point for quite a while i mean i've actually felt quite stale with games they tend to be they tend to have been recently quite similar <laughs> always a follow-up slightly better graphics better storyline better and it was never really a translation you know it was always like civ 5 compared to civ 6 like somebody that loves civ would probably be able to tell you exactly what the differences were and why one's great and what you know where the future going with this because they're not actually changing the mold and then vr comes along and just smashes the mold in the face basically and says well now you're in the world now now deal with that and half the things you think are going to work don't and half the things you uh think are not going to work suddenly do it's, it's just it's an exciting place to be doing vr yeah um it is what I love doing. One of my favourite things, and indeed, Windlands does this, 
is when you put the head the headset on and it opens up. You're you're put in a room. Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah. There's like you're in a room now. I mean, yes, Crystal Rift does exactly the same thing, but I was expecting a room. Uh, because <laughs> well, you um, don't. yeah you know yeah, it's, you know what it's really interesting the creative process and i think we get um obviously sorry um i don't work alone right i tend to uh, crystal rift actually there's two of us and myself and a guy called nick pitt i'm very talented um in many ways but, but an animator and comes from a movie background and we we pretty much built crystal rift together other than model uh, some of the music well the music uh and some of the monsters right that contracted out to get them most of the monsters uh, to a guy called robert ramsey who, who who's awesome as well and yeah anyway so the the, tr- the truth is it does take a lot of people to uh, to make games um i'm right in the middle of there all the time but yeah it's sort of grown because winlands took went up to about eight and we brought the original ip people and then now with our future stuff there is a much bigger team so it's like it's been very interesting the last three years and where it's taking us so it's so like we're we're still learning and you know, creatively, we're get, we're getting better, and also we're we're actually, you know, bringing in people to the team that have already got a huge amount of skills for the little bits you need. So it's it's quite interesting. You already hinted there a little bit about your history. Did we talk about how you made yeah. your start making games? Yeah, I mean, my first game I wrote when I was oh gosh, my first game was eighty one when I was like nine. So it's like <laughs> my dad literally gave me a, it wasn't even a birthday present or anything. He sort of came home one night with the, with this ZX eighty one with no tape cassette, no games. Oh god, right, just a ZX eighty one. It was right. built. It was you know they came. Oh yeah, yeah, it was built. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's and something. it did have. A, I think it had the one the the like one K thing on the back, but basically that was it. You know, here play with this and the manual that it came with. And in those days, manuals had like example code. They were incredible. I've actually got one yeah. myself. I'm a bit of a retro fiend, and I do have a, well several working 81s. <laughs> I, have th- I have thought about buying one more than once, but then I, I think, why do I want one of them? What am I going to do with it? No, <laughs> the, the later ones. I mean, I, I, I was streaming for my Amstrad uh, this this Sunday. Just gone. Don't ask. And, uh, <laughs> I was playing Amstrad. Yeah, an Amstrad CPC. Falls, I was playing Trailblazer. Stop judging me, um, but uh, it was great. And uh, um, but no, the eighty one. Yeah, it's one of my first experiences. Programming Hang on, was the Amstrad well. CPC the one with the set on the side, the big yeah, and long yeah, one? Yeah, like, I'm looking like, at it now. It's, it's only like one game to play on that. It's like Jet Set Willy, and that's it. You know, there's like what else was good, but no, apparently don't, better don't than. Go there. Don't go there. Don't go there. <laughs> Maybe what was that one where you were a ball, a green ball, like or that? Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the history of time, my first little bit of code was on this LX81. You couldn't do anything with it but program, frankly. And it was quite quick where I transformed from copying a piece of code to making it do stuff. Yeah. I wouldn't say I ever got proficient with it, but it, but the bug started there. Well, the logic um, understanding of like telling yeah. it to do things and subroutines. And, and yes, basic isn't that great, a logic yeah. flow thing. But it well, does... That whole keyboard thing where you had to like do control P Z to do a oh, off key or whatever. It's like it was just magical. I don't know, you know, I look back now and laugh at it, but I did do some quite great things. I had like, you know, basic space invaders, things that actually weren't even in the manual started doing even that right. bug. And my, I think my parents noticed it. I ended up with various other pieces of hardware, electrons, BBCs, Amstrad's APCs, and other sort of spectrum. And you sort of carry that forward into my teenage years i was actually doing fairly complex things without realizing it because there wasn't a scene never met anybody else doing this stuff you know at my school there were like 
five BBCs and they were in a locked room that you had to have special permission to get into at the time. You know, it was like, um, so I never, you know, I never met anybody else doing this. It was just me eating stuff. And I did so much. I can't even begin to start. And I'm sure actually, if I had a flop, one of those five and a half inch floppy discs of all my BBC games, there'd be some real gems in there. <laughs> uh, you know, I used to, I used to be really into the Ian Livingston, um, you know the books. Oh, they were amazing. My... They they got yeah. me. They got me into reading more than anything else because uh, I didn't like to read the stuff they were shoving in front of me. But I could read. I was called a reluctant. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was a reluctant. But, you know, reader. you learn the basic D and D with the dice. Great. Yeah, yeah. You know, you get a great little experience because you could die halfway through just in the middle of an adventure. You know, yeah. it's like yeah, yeah, no, great because you did. And I, you know, so I digitalized an awful lot of those experiences. So I actually. Um, you know, I'd ran it. in those days. You couldn't hold a whole book in memory. It sounds bizarre to say that nowadays, but you know, it just like thirty-two k, and you got to do a game and everything. So I used to have random access, reading the off the disc and putting stuff on screen and giving you the choices and stuff. And I, you know, I wrote, I did all sorts. I mean, you name it, literally. I probably did. Oh gosh, I did predecessors to all sorts of things. <laughs> so all sorts of things that, if only I'd have had the foresight, I could have invented, but I never did. But no. yes, that's basically my history: is play and play and play and play with computer game writing, and never really do anything with them. And then I hit eighteen. Um, I made a game which, at the time, my girlfriend loved called squigs and um we sent that off on spec i actually wrote it on somebody else's computer um like a best friend of mine at the time's computer we spent an awful lot of time uh, um doing this and uh yeah we sent it off on speculation uh me and my girlfriend and uh yeah lo and behold they asked us to be on the front cover this of um what was it uh Ema? like in insane- 2000 and something okay. <laughs> no, uh, maybe 1986 I don't know uh, some very old time ago uh, when I was a lot younger right. and uh, yeah that was really got me into that scene you were, an, were you an Amiga person? yeah I did have an Amiga although I did start with the ST again the judging what did the judging? yeah yeah well yeah you know pair that hardware i mean the blitter chip and that yeah anyway let's not get into the technicalities but the, but there was, well if you ever you know. if you ever played a public domain disc right. i was really 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 into that scene yes. so i would go in those days before they were known as land parties we would take our amigas and a whole bunch of people would like turn up to a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere <laughs> For a whole weekend, and we'd create stuff. We'd uh, usually I'd be doing like uh, synthesizers to graphics on screen, or some type of text browsing, or you know, it would just be anything. Demo scene, basically. Yeah, demo scene. Well, it's called public domain, but yeah, the demo scene. And and I am probably credited not as my name. I never was actually. If you look deep enough, you can find me all over the place because it's credited Cytex. (laughs) (laughs) See where the future comes from here. but yeah, if you look deep enough, you can see Cytex stuff all over the place. And I used another pseudonym as well. Um, so there's, I'm credited all over the place Did on that on a whole bunch of things. Did you watch the, um, the uh, documentary from Bedrooms to Billions? Amiga? Yes. Well, I did actually. I was a little bit involved in that. I answered okay. some questions. Okay. I don't know. I didn't actually appear on it, but no. I didn't do big enough stuff, I suppose. <laughs> I, it's far more interesting to learn about lemmings, frankly, than me doing some public domain bouncing text. So it's, uh, but yeah. No, I did, I, I did I have, was, you know, I mean, sorry, I did, sorry, I did have, yeah, I did have an ST and an Amiga at the same time, which is not a bad thing, so. Yeah, so that, no, yeah, I was very deeply involved in all of that yeah. and uh, really enjoyed it. And yeah, basically at the end of a Sunday night after doing that for an entire weekend, we were all exhausted and we'd drunk too much beer or whatever, we would 
uh, there would be a guy or five guys with st- as many uh, floppy disk drives as could possibly plug into an Amiga A4000 or whatever the most powerful machines were, replicating these with boxes and boxes and boxes. So there would be literally thousands of floppy disks made on multiple machines in a matter of hours. Um, but yeah, that's what happened. And then some disks had all been burnt, these three and a half inch floppy disk things, and go to stores in Nottingham and Derby. And in fact, there was a well known one in Nottingham called, I think it was called Computer 2000, but don't quote me. But the, um, in those days, that was futuristic. Um, <laughs> 2000 was ages away. Um, but yeah, and then they would distribute them. And. You know, we never really saw any money for them. <laughs> wow, the sheer love of making something. Part of it, yeah, part of the scene. That yeah. was that was what we did. We loved doing it. But yeah, great, great foundation because I I learned a lot about machine code and yeah, C plus. So, you know, everything from there. So it's great. Yeah, great foundation. That, that is roughly my history, other than filling in the gap there between proper jobs. I was I've, I went into proper enterprise. Uh, CTO roles, group uh, group group um, IT manager roles, software as a service enterprise roles, owning a few things, being involved at board level on a few things, and uh, doing proper business really, and been very you know successful there, and really enjoyed that whole thing and learnt a lot. And then here I am three years ago, faced with a little game that I made it maybe ten years ago. I started prototyping it. It was called Dungeon Prototype of Crystal Rift. About ten years ago. Um, anyway, so I took. I thought, well, you know, I quite like to make a new version of this. So I started doing that in Unity and put a VR headset on, and there you go. The whole story, fill in the gaps, and then. So what immediately... it, So you said it was based on. Uh, uh, there's like a, a game you made ten years ago called Dungeon Director. Is it something you said? Yeah, Director. I'm not sure on the exact timescales there, but it was a long time ago. Right. And find it on the net i saw it the other day um it's got like a little pad on the side it was basically a prototype because i'm i'm used to love uh dungeon crawlers uh but grid based specifically did the, the, you know i played all the either beholders and the dungeon masters and there's like loads of them i mean if you if you look into the whole history it's like school keep and you know just there was way more than people give credit. We never yeah, went... actually, if, yeah. now, now I'm much more afraid with it, and I've gone out and actually studied the matter more. Yeah. There are hundreds of them. <laughs> there were strange Japanese ones that never made it across the shores. Yeah. There were, you know, there were actually a lot of them. Wizardry. Uh, Some of the early yeah, wizardry, wizardry ones. The whole wizardry yeah. series, yeah. Yeah. Um, up to a certain point. And then, uh, oh gosh, and there were awful lot. And actually, a lot of the famous people made them, uh, like Psygnosis made, what was it called, uh, Hired Guns. Oh, um, yeah. There was a one called Blood Witch, which I sort of remember. Yeah, yes, yeah. It's a multiplayer version of it. Yeah. And yeah, so there were a lot around and I used to play all of them. Whenever I saw one, I'd buy Me it. Too. You know, it Me was too. like that was I, I, that was I so, only completed Dungeon Master though. I didn't complete any of the others. Yeah, actually, I found what I did, and this is going back before, because Grimrock's relatively recently come on the scene, and before Grimrock was announced or talked about, the dungeon director I was creating was the one, really, to bring grid-based dungeon crawlers back to the modern day. So it was an experimentation at the time to see if modern engines could become, uh, you know, could enhance what was originally a great way of playing a game and bring it into the modern day. So, um and then the real twist, of course, is doing the first time I put Crystal Rift and a, and a DK1, actually, a first Oculus DK1 on my head and actually was in the dungeon. It was like, I've got to do this and got to make this happen. 
so yeah that's what happened that's actually the history of me and also the history of how Krista Rift came to be yeah and which leads me on to my next question now um as a creator of things what do you find yourself most influenced by well, the things I love, I think, I think you can't build, you can't be creative about building something. You can't make something unless you've got a lot of passion. I think people don't realise how long it takes to make a game and release it mm. and get it into the public eye. It, it's, a, you know, at the best will, even if you are really, really fast and know exactly what you're doing, it's years worth of time. Um, and nowadays, the, you know, people are very, very demanding. You know, they demand extremely high levels of quality and, and gameplay and graphics. And and if if you don't quite meet any of those other things, you, you've got to have a gimmick that works or you've got to have something that, that is different and unusual. Or, you know, it's, and all of those things are hard to do. Otherwise, we'd, there'd be a formula. <laughs> so it's like, I, I think the, I mostly am inspired by things I love doing in games. You know, if I, if I like making games I want to play. Um, but I'm inspired by so much. I mean, it's like Crystal is a really good example. If, if you're someone like myself and you've got a lot of memories there, there are so many things in that game to refer back to, to you know, to have nods really to either games that came before it or 80s references or to films like Labyrinth or um, films like Tremors or, you know, I mean, the list goes on. I mean, if you, if you were to, you know, squint at a lot of the things, you'd say, well, is that a reference to... It's like... Uh, one of the levels in Crystal Rift, like really far on. I mean, uh, spoiler alert: don't close your ears if you if you're playing. But it's like maybe level fourteen is full of these underground worms that jump out the ground and attack you. And the the level's called Perfection. And the reason the level's called Perfection is because that um, the town in the original Tremors was called Perfection, <laughs> and it was like it, it's. I'd, I've done lots of little things like that throughout the entire of that game, and, and you know, tongue in cheek, enjoyed doing so. It's a, there's a. I don't want to spoil the game too much. There's a massive twist. I'd always wanted to write a specific game, and actually somebody made it. I don't know what it is, but um, I'd always wanted to do it. Right, and Crystal Rift actually gave me the um, option to do it. So level twenty two of Crystal Rift. The again, spoiler alert. Stop listening if you don't want to be spoiled. Um, there's a big twist, and you end up in a completely different game <laughs> space. Well, not completely different. I mean, it's still Crystal. Yeah, Rift, yeah. But it's yeah like, I don't want to say any more either because I've got to there. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, yeah. I do, I do give a rise smile. Like, oh, it's just like Dungeon Master. Yeah, <laughs> I let it, I let it go like that. Like, yeah, kind of. Kind of, and I, kind of. I roll my eyes and they go, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Wait to get to level 22. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, that, but it, it afforded me that I'd always wanted to make, but I couldn't really have ever made into a full game. And quite interesting, that whole, so yeah, how, what do I get inspired by? I, popular culture, things I'm interested in, you know, and also, you know, what I think I'd find funny. Uh, but it does tend to make a game that is very focused on people my age range, my, <laughs> my uh, interests. There's nothing you can do about that. Nothing well, you can do about well, that. Well, you know what? It wouldn't matter so much if it wasn't for VR having so many people uh, desperate for content. So it's like, in a world in 10 years' time, this would be a great little thing for all the people, you know, and now it's like, you know, it's judged by an awful lot more people than the people that... I think a lot of people forget what Crystal is all about. It's like, suddenly there's a dungeon crawler that's grid-based in VR, and it's like, yeah, I, I don't think... The people that do get it absolutely love it, and I get a lot of... I... That, uh, ...have completed it. For me, um, what I love about it is the fact that you can look around. I always wanted to look around yeah. properly in the dungeon... Um, 
Dungeon Master and uh, other, you know, all those games that we just described earlier. Always wanted to look around properly. Didn't. Yeah. And now you yeah, can. Quite a challenge to make an environment where, because we were against the odds with it. I mean, if you go back to DK1, I mean, the, the SDKs would crash every other version and uh, it was shared screen mode. So you'd have to share the headset with your current monitor and there was no acceleration on the video cards at all there was like the you know everything unity wise was crudely bolted in and the plug-in and it was like it, it was really early days so we were always fighting the tech and trying to make things work and discovering new ways of doing stuff and it, it um, but it's matured yeah. you know it, it gets there and nowadays it is pretty mature environment to build vr stuff but yeah it was fun that whole thing but yeah we, we think we did a good job with crystal rift um and we're very proud of it uh yeah, yeah. i and mean we also but, talk yeah. about windlands as well which is a very different game uh, and in a, in, a, in, a, in a good way, uh, because the, the difference is good, and it's just like a very different experience because it's much faster, much more fluid. In my humble opinion, you might be disagree, but I think it's all it's a more fluid experience. Oh, I would agree that I would agree that Winlands is the better game out of the two. Um, while I've got a soft spot for both, um, and I didn't create the concept for Winlands, we actually the uh, Winlands was born. I don't know whether you know this, but Winlands was born out of uh, the first Oculus game jam actually right. winlands was considered um and very talented group of people um a guy called simo and a guy called Ilya from finland made that and they joined Cytec games um about a year before before um winlands was released first of all on the orchestra so about two years ago okay so and really they've got a very good mechanic got a game and what we did was bolster that with people investment time money skills and turn it into what it is now that you you play yeah so it was yeah it's been an interesting adventure that but we did quite a lot to it there was yeah like, yeah yeah boy not a lot was, of polish like, there like i said earlier there was like eight of us really and and it's probably not far from the truth crunching for about a year right it doesn't, it doesn't uh, show yeah. if you've done crunching because crunching normally the quality drops but that game, well, that game, dear God. But worked, we worked really, 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 really hard. There were plenty of hour, long, too many hours, yeah. and we were all very, very driven to make Winlands what it is. And that some people more than others at various times. I mean, there's definitely been times where where uh, Ilya's worked far too many hours. Mm. And uh, but you know, bless him, he's really, really, really good. What he does. And, and other than the two developers that have made uh, Winlands. Um, what developer do you most do in the industry and why? Oh, interesting. I've had, do you know what? I've met a lot of them now. That's really bizarre to say. <laughs> <laughs> this year, uh, Windlands has been, well, Crystal Rift and Windlands has been an awfully humbling experience because they're both really well known now. I mean, people, you know, if, you, if you've you got this thing as a developer, some of the first thing people say is, what what do you do? <laughs> you know, what do you make? You, in, you go to any dev conference and it's like the first thing you're asked is like, oh, uh, you know, hello, how you doing? How's your day? Uh, what are you working on? Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, well, wow, it's so impersonal. Okay, well, yeah, I work on uh, Windlands and Crystal Rift, and they go, oh, yeah, and it starts a whole conversation. So it's like, so yeah, and I've met a lot of the people that I admired a lot. It's interesting because being on the back end of doing indie games is, gives you a whole different perspective to the reality of it. And prior, because I used to watch things like Indie Game the Movie or things like oh, that, yeah, right? Oh, yeah, Fish, what a lovely man. 
Yeah, years. there's quite a lot of them, and I used to watch those, and I almost used to bite my tongue all the way through it, thinking they're being ridiculous. <laughs> you know, they've got a successful game. What they're talking about, and it doesn't make any sense. Surely they've got a sensible enough head to be able to survive somebody having a go at them in a forum somewhere or whatever. And it's like, actually, on the back end of it, I can tell you that very, very, very hard to be in once you've got any level of you know public responsibility. I think, yeah, where people actually do like what they do, and they um, see if people have got a lot of pressure to get things that they want an example recently is move support in the playstation vr version of winlands um or they you know you do something that doesn't necessarily make everyone happy and those you know that's difficult to deal with and reading negative reviews really really hard i have to abstract myself from it and you know pull pull myself back so yeah i know i've got total sympathy now with those guys and yeah, as I say, I've met an awful lot of the people that I have, were fans of. I met who did I meet? I'm now a member of UKIE, so I met some nice people there as well. But recently, I met John Carmack. That's, you know, that was nice. Um, over in OC3, I've met uh, Mike Biffnell, hanging out with him at some of the PlayStation things. I've met oh gosh, oh, the list goes on. Sorry, so an awful lot of the people. Biffle, that, did you? Yeah, yeah, Biffle. Yeah. Biffle's been on the show. Yeah, lovely man. Yeah. I've known him for years. <laughs> Before, yeah, before the, well, he got famous, are, I knew him. <laughs> yeah, lovely guys. We're all just indies, aren't well, no, we? No, you're just human you know, beings. Just, yeah, yeah. No, he's done an amazing job. I can't not, Mike, because he, he you know, I mean, Thomas is alone great, and I'm, success in, the, in that has been brilliant for him, but the volume's done really well as well, and I just, I can't wait to see what else he's doing. I know he's going to, uh, he's really interested in PlayStation VR as well because his volume's got PlayStation VR version. But yeah, he's doing a great job. But you know, I've bumped into a lot of the people that I'd sort of not had any exposure to before into the VR and the PlayStation side and and the other events. And now, you now because I actually go out and about and get invited to do things, like I did a, um, I was on a judge on a panel uh, last week for uh, for a VR competition. It's just it's you know it's great because I, I I do love hanging out with people that inspire me. So. So the last question of the first half, I know, sad things, but, you know, we have to, have to press on. But I have to ask this because, uh, this particular question, because, you know, it's a podcast and it's about video games, so therefore we have to ask this question. What are you playing right now? Oh, all right. Okay. <laughs> I've had to wean myself off Factorio, otherwise I'd be saying that. Uh, it's <laughs> one of the best games if you haven't played it. It's, uh, I've, I've got to the point I buy people that... Um, and gift it to them on Steam because if they, you know, if we have this this conversation, this yeah. exact conversation, what are you playing, John? I say Factorian, and say, and then they'd never pick it up, so I just gifted them, and they're and <laughs> a nice surprise. But then here we are, like months later, and I get like a, a DM on on Steam saying, you, you, you know, thank you, and uh, I, I won't swear, but you know, yeah. you as well. <laughs> 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 what have you done to my life? Well, not that many people, not enough people. It's one of the top ever Steam rated things. It's like yeah. if you look at the top 10, it's higher than Portal and Lab. And, you know, it's just, it's right up there at the top. And it's just an incredible. Actually, not uh, from a development point of view, it probably took me many, many, many hours to work out how some of the, some of the code was written because it's very, very clever. Um, most looks impossible to do, but yeah, many, many, many hours in, I've worked it all out, and I think I could write it, but I'm not going to. Um, uh, but no, I've just picked up Planet Coaster on the Frontiers version of Relic of Spoon, playing that a bit, but probably going to get bored and turn it off because it's very, very cool, but it's not got enough depth in the campaign. And I'm asking Relic Coaster Tycoon on two on iOS with all the add-ons, and that is one of the best things anybody could purchase on an iOS device because so many hours of play, it will burn any commute. 
Wow. Yourself? High, high praise indeed. Myself? Um, I've been playing Elite Dangerous again on my Xbox. Uh, I love that. <laughs> Xbox? What are you doing? Why, how can anybody play... If, you, if you've if got VR and got this rift on your headset with with a Oasis set... I don't have my PC. I, oh, so. oh, my God. <laughs> I, I put that on my head. I've yeah. got a fairly good ship. I, I don't know. Tell me whether I've got a good ship or not. That's all right. Two-seater. It's, it's an all right ship. It took me a while to get. Um, and it's got to see... I put the heads on it. It's like, oh my god, I'm in a spacecraft and can fly it. I brought a docking computer the other day. Press, press, uh, I think you break on the way into the station. It's a docking computer available for break to engage. You break and then it just docks you. And I'm like, I don't, don't want that. I'm selling it. <laughs> <laughs> but it did amuse me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just like the old BBC version, which is, you know, an amazing game in itself. But the, yeah, Elite Dangerous credit there. But it, I can't. I know it's a time sink, and I don't. I've got so many other things I can be uh, making games is like bit like like playing games. So <laughs> it's like yeah. it's fine. I can make games and still get that same award. Um, but yeah, no, amazing game. What else? What about the PlayStation VR? What you doing? Well, I am with the VR stuff. I, I, I was was playing um, Windlands, which is well, I'm focused on because I did finish Crystal Rift. Um, I, I I do I like back. I do like back, yeah. I, I do like Battlezone a lot. That's a great game. Um, and uh, what else? Yeah, basically Battlezone. I'm really enjoying I played that. that I played, played another Battles. I can't remember what it's called though. But the the twist in it was in the multiplayer. You could stack tanks. So one so you became a stronger tank, and one player played the gun, and one player played the the base. Right. Really cool. But I can't remember what it's called. It was a VR game. Hmm. Game. You're not picked up Resident Evil. You're not throwing yourself into that. Terror. No, no. I've uh, got too many games. That's the only reason I didn't buy it. That's the only reason. Uh, I, um, I'm the same, really. I played the demo. Did you play the demo? No, no, not yet, no. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a demo. Download the demo, play that for free. But, yeah, you know, you're right. There are far too many games. And do you know what the brilliant thing about VR is? Is right now there are so many really, really cool VR games that... Uh, if I stop and decide I'm going to play a game, it's usually a VR game. Although I've just given you examples of I'm recently playing the um, Frontier game, but the you know I usually stop and play a VR game, and there are so many good VR games and great experiences out there. It's unbelievable. Um, I had hilarious time with my daughter the other day playing uh, uh, like a little music demo called Your Friend. That was absolutely amazing. Um, I've got a steering wheel, so I always pick that up and play the. Um, uh, Cool games. Um, a multiplayer with the dead and buried, absolutely just a blast. And sometimes unspoken, and you know, just yeah, so many good games, so many good games, and great inspiration for you know that you can learn from. Yeah, uh, and uh, I play a lot of board games as well. I'm running a D and D game uh, Me every, too. every Saturday at the moment, so uh, that's that's kind of time consuming. <laughs> oh, that's type of board games. I've just recently brought. And King of Tokyo, so I'm playing those type of games, which aren't really D and D. But I've got my oldest daughter um, loves playing with us as a family, which is a rather bizarre thing. But we sit down at board games. Oh, that's lovely. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We're very competitive. That <laughs> pandemic didn't work for us at all because we we beat it. <laughs> so it's like okay we all win brilliant right <laughs> like, yeah just, I, I, I advise competitive to be on the same team 
Yeah, I, I advise people when playing Pandemic is to have the expansions. There's one where you actually have uh-huh. petri dishes and you actually you have to fuse other germs with other germs <laughs> to make. Oh, it's just like, what is this? Like, it's a separate Some of board these thing. games, it's like trying to learn a new, you get, gives you an encyclopedia and you've got to know everything before you even set up the board. And it's like, we, there's a point where it just gets a bit mad. But I think we could try it. We've got a lot. We played Carcassonne and Catan and all of those. Yeah, mid- yeah. The Settlers of Catan, but, I love the fact that you sit there and go, I, I, I need some wood. Do you have some wood? Yes, but not for you. Yeah, yeah, we just yeah. played it. We've just got a yeah. really healthy board game selection, and but we've got a favourites and our favourites. I think we like King of um, King Tokyo right now because it's relatively quick get going. Yes, every game's really different because the way the cards fall. So it's like, yeah, we've been enjoying that recently. But yeah, we do like playing board games. Well, and board games are really into their their heyday ironically it's like i go to the board game shops to look for the next game and there's always something called yeah. that's just out it's yeah don't, it. don't go in those because you'd end up spending <laughs> yeah and they yeah. are quite expensive and there's too many in London. if i'm ever in camden i end up going into that little small one there if i'm ever in the middle of town like near piccadilly circus there's one in the middle of there and yeah. then there's like that huge one up at things not to mention all the oh gosh yeah no <laughs> And, yeah, they're like 35 quid each or something. They're expensive yeah. computer games. But oh, we do get a lot of value out of them, so I think they're worth the money. And, uh, yeah, I, I will continue to buy good ones. And we occasionally buy the crazy stuff. Uh, like we did, we brought Cards Against Humanities. So we do. I do a curry night every so often where it's it's a bizarre thing, but it, it, it was traditionally a VR night. So because I had VR headsets, we'd get everybody round to play on, like, the early Vive or the next one, and it sort of turned into a thing that we do every month where we have a curry night and lots of VR yeah, and board games. My claim to fame. Is it a claim to fame? I don't know. I helped write the British version of Cards Against Humanity. I'm sorry. Brilliant. That is... <laughs> oh, well done. Brilliant. I couldn't play that that well. I did win, which don't know what it says about me at yeah, that, but yeah. I didn't play my strongest cards um, in terms of... No, we, we sat in a pub and we sat there, six or seven <laughs> of us, Going through various Britishisms with the Americans, explaining what this meant, why that's not funny anymore, why that's really funny. I need to come and hang out with the Brits. How's that? You hang? Are you at that? Uh, you just like hang somewhere that's way cooler than the place. Hang. I, I, I couldn't tell you, uh, but yeah, I, 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 it seems I, that you hang out at very cool places. I blame Pax. That's what I blame. That's how I blame. Uh, so. Yeah, no, it's amazing how far, far those things have matured, and they're really good fun. Really, really good fun. Yeah, Secret Hitler is a very fun game. If we do meet, we should play that. So, like Secret Hitler, it is. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I've been watching Werewolves Within with interest. Is that similar to Secret Hitler? Yeah, Secret Hitler is a more gamey thing, but it's still hidden identities, and yeah, yeah. everyone's ostensibly playing liberals, but there are secret fascists. It's it's all right. very very topical. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, let's not do that. Let's not do that. Let's move on to the second half of the show where we talk in depth about Crystal Rift and Windlands.
So, the first question isn't really a question, it's called the Zeroth question. It's an Asimov reference, if you're familiar with that. Um, basically, uh, you get hard to pitch both Crystal Rift and Woodlands. Take it away, John. What are they? Please tell us. All right, well, Crystal Rift is a dungeon crawler in VR, and it's, you know, it's awesome. Um, it's ten uh, hours long-ish. Um, it has many, many monsters. It has some good twists, full storyline. It's a proper VR game. It's soft RPG, so there's not any of this complicated stuff to work out with, uh, with stats and things accessible to anyone, and uh, and we're very proud of it. Excellent. Uh, and, and rightly so, rightly so. Uh, and Winlands has been, by others, have described it as sort of a... a um, uh, a, a, a red man with a mask simulator. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, basically, you, you, you swing through the trees with grappling hooks on an adventure in a low gravity world to recover it from the meteorite strike that happens every hundred years, and uh, it's a full-on VR locomotion game. Yeah, ain't it just? Um, but we're talking depth about that in the second half of this second half. Is there such a thing? That's the last quarter, because the first two detailed questions I have is about Crystal Rift. So okay. we've already established that Crystal Rift is a dungeon crawler. It's in the style yep. of late 1980s 16-bit games, as I would describe them. You may disagree, but the, yes, there were 8-bit games that did this, but not, you know, Bard's Tale, etc., but not quite as well as the 16-bits, in my humble opinion. But what, as, what aspects of those games from that era did you find you could enhance by being the virtue of the fact that it is actually in vr yeah it's a to- it, uh, my ambition for crystal rift uh, and uh, you know eventually our ambitions as the tingra always much bigger than we're able to deliver we we always had amazing wants out of it you know way beyond what what we ended up delivering as a final product and it really was down to the bandwidth and things but the truth is we tried to encapsulate as much as we could but we had to stop and hold ourselves short on some things so it's like we really wanted to do inventory (laughs) we really wanted to do full rpg you know fighting mechanics we really wanted to do um you know, up the graphics and have full shadow casting and stuff. And we really wanted to do, you know, it was like all of these painful points, but we would have never delivered it. And so there was sadly, we ended up not quite delivering what we wanted to do, but we still delivered enough that we want, you know, it made a great game. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's an odd thing that, but we brought through the essence of what we felt was absolutely required to relive those experiences. I mean, the first thing we had to do was drop the concept of a team because majority of those games actually had a team. So you would normally manage, you know, four players, like a, a, a warrior, a wizard, an elf or whatever. And you would, um, yeah, take that team into the dungeon. And I think we learned very quickly that you're the hero. You have to be the hero. You have to be the person that's escaping the dungeon. Otherwise it doesn't work. Um, things we did off our own back were some of the horror elements although it's soft really soft horror it's like um shadow creatures and jump scares if you can really really soft horror but yeah we tried to bring through as much as we possibly could given the size of the team and the bandwidth and resources we had yeah uh but i do think the what i want to draw out of you for the fact that you felt you were in the space you weren't uh, um some sort of weird sort of floating yeah. eye looking in on it because that's what i mean that's what captive felt like because yeah it was. we spent 
ages. I can't tell you how long we spent fiddling with making it realistic enough that you felt like you were actually there and you could peer over the edges. And if you were crossing a plank, you felt that twang as much as we could into doing that with that and we we were you know we found our feet with the graphics style fairly early on because we couldn't have all the things that that probably we could do nowadays more accessible um so we couldn't do things like reflective pbr lighting or we couldn't do you know and it actually started off as unity one it takes a very long time to make it crystal rift's been around it's funny because it's on the playstation now but crystal rift is nearly four years old Right, definitely over three years. So it's like if you think about how long from the first line of code to getting onto the PlayStation, it's taken us to do that. It's you know an awful lot's changed in four years. Unity's moved up an entire version, etc. There were massive constraints, which now I look at Crystal Rift and I think, oh god, if only we were started writing it today. But the um, short of it is, we we tried to make it as immersive as we could as an experience. And in those early days people didn't find it as easy as it is now i think people can jump into vr and hit 90 frames per second and feel comfortable and also you know it's not overwhelming like it used to be it used to be really really overwhelming for a load of reasons like low resolution and you know various other things and definitely the the res, uh, refresh rate and the tick levels and that uh, so we built the best world we could within those frameworks and and i think it really paid off i, th- I still step into crystal rift and think wow this is pretty cool <laughs> this is really cool i'm in a dungeon i'm walking around and picking stuff up um but you know technology is moving on slightly now things like the vive and the oculus touch are now widely available move arguably as well and i think that this you know um crystal rift would benefit from a um yeah yeah future that had all of the extras in that we probably couldn't do in the first place there's a sequel in the works i'm sure <laughs> well, I, I, if there was a sequel in the works, it, it, I couldn't talk about it today. But you know, there is lots of opportunity with that world. But yeah, we've got plenty on. I mean, you know, step forwards a little bit. Windlands is is a, a much more successful game in terms of um, the amount of people that buy it. I suppose if that's success, um, but also the people that that love that game. So, you know, we can't we can't do everything we want to do. Um, we do. You know, do you know what? I think about where we've got to. There, we built Crystal Rift with basically a small team of three. We launched. For, uh, we were launch title for Oculus Rift. We were launch title for Vive, and we were within the week, well, within the, the months of launch title for the PlayStation. And the amount of work to do that has yeah. been absolutely enormous. Um, so we're just really proud of that whole project, and, and we did it with two games. So you know, it's, it's been it's been an interesting few years, but really good baptism of fire, and we're feeling like we're getting our legs now. The feeling of claustrophobia in Crystal Rift is quite intense. Did you, from the outset, build that into the game? Yeah, the the 2.2 square metre walls had many iterations of sizes, levels, closeness of roof. Um, yeah, yeah, and it was totally... In fact, it was more claustrophobic, and it became slightly less so as development... Um, but yeah, it was supposed to make you feel like you are actually crawling through a dungeon rather than just in open spaces. I, I personally don't enjoy open space VR as much as I enjoy closed space VR, but that's, that's interesting when you think we've got Windlands and Crystal Rift. Yeah. <laughs> Paradox yeah. into... Um, yeah, 2.2 metres square, here you go, claustrophobic as can be, and then 2.2 kilometres wide sort of space. <laughs> yeah. so it's like the two are very, very different games. But yeah, no, it was totally designed to be claustrophobic and give you a sense of every step. You don't quite know what's next. 
and the whole game when we were trying to balance the game and get the editor you know to get the levels right and try and get the phase you know we had a lot of levels that really really work a few that don't work so well but overall we're quite happy with that whole pacing of you never know what the next room's going to give you and there's always always um and I think we got really good at it. I don't think we were front to back again quite in the same way because we were literally building the last levels of the, you know, the game. Um, so the last levels are actually the best levels in the game, arguably. Right. We polished some of the earlier ones. The, the last you know, maybe 10 levels are um, probably the most polished in terms of gameplay and, and also the things they throw at you and the surprises along the way. Oh, yes. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> so um, last two questions now. You're on the home straight. Almost there. This is the last two questions about Windlands. So at its core, in my opinion, and you may disagree, I believe Windlands is a platforming game of Ooh. sorts. Um, what unique design aspects have been present due to it being a VR game? So what I'm trying to draw from you here is the idea that you're, you are having to um, jump from one platform to the other. How... What, what what sort of things have you found people have been challenged by? Like, where can I jump to next? That kind of thing. You- yeah, yeah. It's interesting that you should call it a platform again. It was one of the things when when we merged, when we became one company working on Windlands, um, although SciTech Games owns the Windlands, we were, we, we were under a lot of, um, you know, um, questions about what the game actually was because we, like I said, we had a really, really, had a really, really cool mechanic and a, and a great little demo map um, that did stuff and you could enjoy an hour or two in there doing whatever you did. Uh, and it had uh, a very beautiful aesthetic, but really very little else. And, and it actually quite early on, the inspirations started to clarify themselves and, and continue to do through the development cycle. But the, um, yeah, no, it's true to say that there are platforming elements in Winlands, but Winlands has a heart that we totally understand what we're building. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, I just, I just found platform, platform is true, but I, I would draw Winlands closer to Mario 64 than any other in loads of other inspiration we use in there. Um, some Zelda stuff, some, um, you know, some Attack on Titan type things, um, some uh, Journey inspiration. There's so many things in there that we pull inspiration from. To, but, I would, you know, Windlands is Windlands. It's not really any of those things. It, it's Windlands. And uh, the, the fact that it's a VR game and the fact that it's, you know, there's nothing else quite like it or has been quite like it since shows how much, you know, pe- we painfully make sure that we do a great job on that. And, uh, yeah. So... Yeah, I just felt that the same skill set I'd be using... Oh, God, did I just use that word, damn it? The same skills I would use or muscle memory I'd use for games like or 3D platformers had me using the similar sort of things with Windland. So that's why I called it a platformer. I just... Uh, within 20 minutes yeah. of playing it, I went, oh, I get it. This is an awesome platforming game. It's funny because <laughs> I think people... The problem is with Winlands is, and this is it's Achilles' heel really, is that people underestimate the depth of the gameplay in Winlands. Um, people sort of play it for 10 minutes and think that they've got it and that, and really what they're doing is smashing their face into walls a lot, smashing their face into bushes a lot, um, spending half an hour trying to climb up the side of a tree to get onto the top and stuff. And, and there's a, a really 
you know, there's really beautiful ones where you get it. You, you've got them. You've got control of the mechanics. You've yeah. learned it, and and you you start becoming better. And it's got an incredible. Depth. I still play it today, many many years on after the first time I played Windlands, and I am pretty damn skilled at it now. You know, I've really polished my own skills, but I'm still doing new things. I'm doing special tricks. I, I like I can do backwards flips on the end of the on the end of the. Um, yeah, I can do stuff that actually, you know, I don't see other people doing. And there's big tricks to learn that we perhaps let people down slightly by not doing enough tutorial side, just explaining that, oh, if you do this. It's like a lot of people that don't see do this trick, it's a really easy one, but it sort of needs showing you before you, you realize, oh, why have I never done that? Yeah. Um, stand on top of a bush, jump off backwards into the void, like right backwards, holding back. And wait until the very last minute and then catch onto the bush. And then you've got maximum stretch, maximum propelling up. And because you're on a curve, because you've jumped backwards, it will put in that. And the amount of people that I ever see doing those things is, is you know, shocking. And there's also advanced controls on, on the normal layout, actually, where you can hold the X and it extends your rope or stops it from... And if you get used to those, you can do some really clever things as well. But, yeah, I mean, it amazes me how fast people do the speedruns. It's like, I watch some of the speedrun stuff and I'm, like, in awe at how, you know, twitchy people they are with the controls. But there's a real depth to the mechanics in Winland everybody get. And yeah. later on in the game, there are... Uh, yeah, really challenging parts that you know maybe come become dead ends because we haven't taught those things well enough. Yeah, it's um, you're right. Um, to call it a platformer is a bit of a misnomer because it's more like um, uh, um almost like an endless runner. In, in that you have to keep moving, and unless you're trying to get to somewhere, of course. You know, yeah, you know, it, it, it's all. You got you can reset whenever you want. You know you can't yeah. really die in Winlands at all. So there's no you know you just press the reset button. The most success you can get out of Winlands is never stopping. Yeah, you know never ever stopping. It's highly tuned wall jumping. Yeah, uh, and uh, in fact you can double click at the point of hitting a wall and get double jumps. Uh, all of that's on purpose. You know it's all there to mechanic the game. So if you're if you're literally stopping, you are not playing windlands right you should constantly be moving and you should let go of the hooks before getting anywhere near the bushes you know you should actually keep your momentum and speed going as often as you can and utilizing the walls around you to jump off them and and gain further heights etc yeah, you just and, have to pretend that you're a certain superhero beginning with the letter s yeah <laughs> And as soon as you do that and you break free from like just stumbling through the level yeah. and you get used to it, you get better and better and better at it, the genius of Winland starts to materialise. Yeah. And the, re- the reason that you unlock all these this, this um, six end-level game things, the playgrounds and challenge levels, all there, is either to train specific things. It's like well, you wall jumping only, which you can't really do it unless you learn the wall jumping. Uh, and one of them's got a lot of swinging. It's like they're, they're there either to train you or when you crack the game to become you know a challenging and fun thing to do so it's um yeah yeah so there's a little bit of that that we don't explain well enough and i think that's that's on us i think if we if we could and have every single youtube video we've seen in our heads prior to developing some of those things we might have done more work on that but um you know we can um, make next games that we do better and don't have those you can't spoon spoon feed everyone (laughs) Um, my um, my last well, question. Well, yeah. th- that's an eye opener as well. There are lots of different people. Lots of different people to, um, <laughs> I like explore. I like discovering new ways of playing games. Yeah, I, I do this balance, and, and I, I 
well researched on gameplay mechanics in training tutorials as well and there's this balance between letting you you know showing somebody what to do either visually or by pictorially or by even a sign but also allowing the people that don't want to be wasting time or stepping through a wizard or whatever to just get through yeah. and uh, there's you know a lot of the really good examples of games you can probably pull out from the top of your head things like zelda or whatever good examples of those um get that balance right and then there's others that just get it totally wrong where they force you with a wall of text and 15 different things let you move an inch yeah and we got some of that right in windlands some of the windlands you know there is the, there is pre training for areas you'll come up to later so we'll give you a softer i mean actually the tutorial that people don't realize it's a tutorial but the bit with the robot the very real it teaches you to jump out the first room so you've got your jump key and then the, the next very next thing you do is jump across some rocks but, but in a where actually there's no way you can fall to and then the very next thing is a, a rock where it's dangerous and you can fall and then the same with the swinging you pick up the hooks you've got one jump which is really simple and the only way across is to do one single hook you then got multiple and that tutorial you've got the basics of went to the end of that little map and you're free in the world and we don't really hold your hand from then on or, or create a linear experience from then on you're a bit more free speaking of free and things flying along one of the things that i was really impressed by is how you communicated to the player a sense of speed how difficult was that with a basically a blue sky environment uh yeah no, there's lots of tricks that Winlands does, not just for speed, actually. For um, It's interesting because there's so many things that ties them to nausea. I mean, by all rights, Winlands really should be way worse than it is because, I mean, it, it, it seems on to break every rule, but there's so many mechanics and hidden little details like the dust in the air and the sounds in your ears and the, the way that, we, that a lot of those things, like the puff of smoke at your feet, ground you and the sounds about when you hit things and your hook stretching and you know it's just all of that adds up together to not only give you a sense of solidity that you're real in the world but also the the sense of speed and and movement but there's a lot of technology reviews actually and it's not apparent really if you think about it that, that you can see every we've got no loding in lands and we've got very low draw calls it's the whole world is basically one giant mesh which is enormously painful from a developer perspective if anybody's ever built a map kilometers wide and tried to unify it all into one big mesh you'll probably understand that that's quite a challenge and there was a lot of effort and resource goes into that but the benefit of it is you get and and we do we got the ability to even on the playstation do 90 frames a second on the um at high anti-alias level um, so you don't, you get these micro movements at distance, pa- uh, at parallax movements right in the distance that you wouldn't get with LOD because LOD sort of removes that. And all of that together gives you a feeling of height that you can't really get out of other games. It gives you this and get uh, every little thing that's feeding into your eyes is run things that I think if we'd have done other technologies like LOD popping or whatever, that it would have immediately started to break down that presence. It's funny because you get a high level of presence in Winlands because of, um, but you don't, you know, it's not a real world. It's very cartoony. We break quite radically the reality. You know, we don't try to get to that fourth wall. We're not trying to, um, and that helps your you feel more comfortable in the world. But equally, we spend a lot of time doing what we can with presence. So yeah, yeah, it's, just, it's really impressive. I love the the sound of wind as you go as you start picking up momentum that's that's when i know i've won the game or won the level if you will it's like oh now i'm cooking 
but if I'm... <laughs> I'm speeding now. I'm speeding now. Oh my God, there's no tree! <laughs> Where am I going to go? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's wonderful. And I can see why missing people... That missing that one tree you think you're going to make. Yeah, yeah but oh. then I just think, well, you know, whatever. Uh, it's I still had that fun getting to Mr. Tree. Um, but I find that um, the sense of exhilaration from the game is quite extraordinary and I can't congratulate you and your team for creating something that you're right does break every rule yeah it's amazing yeah yeah it's an amazing group of people simo does the music and sound i mean he's just going from strength to strength as well yeah so just grab on that stuff and so it's really yeah i that, that, that we've put so much effort into it it's really appreciated uh, appreciated when every anybody says that they like what we're doing because it's it's uh you know it's sort of almost a thankless job until you get to the point you've released it and even then it can be a you know an uphill battle to get through um all the last minute of the season yeah with such a tiny indie team and we you know i mean you know it's like we're just learning but yeah uh, we're, we're so proud it almost you know we get very emotional about the work that we do um and it's great to be doing that honestly it's great to feel that pride in something you've done uh, and to have any type of feedback from anyone that says, you know, you've done something really cool here is just such a, it's one of the main driving factors indie people make indie games. Um, but it's really rewarding to, you know, to, to be able to do more as well. You know, thank you for anybody that's purchased the game and or either of the games really and played them because it's just, just, just enables us to make some cool VR games playing VR games. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's Put, put stuff out there that, that people actually uh, you know go into it's a it's almost a humbling thing it is a humbling thing to do that and uh, it's been great having you on john thank you very much for your time and, and uh, sharing your experiences uh, for all these years of play- making the video games and experiencing them and playing them as well uh, and uh, it's out to, well we've got winlands and uh, crystal Rift. I know it's on PlayStation VR, but it's clearly on other platforms too, yes? Do you know what? It, it, yeah, it's on all the all the VR platforms. So yeah. if you've got a VR headset, perhaps other than Gear VR, we don't we don't give VR, sadly. It's not really powerful enough. But, the, um, you know, all the main headsets, we've been out for a while now. And, yeah, keep an eye on us. We're making, uh, we're making our next future projects. We're really excited about that time to announce. But we're working on stuff, and, and we're just really just humbled by the whole thing <laughs> really yeah. genuinely and, and more more importantly that it's um you know it's a, it, it made our dreams come true in terms of you know there's a team of us working on stuff that we really want to work on and, and it's just such a fun thing to do and uh, it's exciting that vr is sustaining some people to make more stuff and that's just it's incredible yeah so yeah yeah keep keep i uh, keep everybody should go out and shout from the rooftops how awesome vr is show everybody you know and uh let's keep growing vr because uh it's here to stay, I think, and I'm really excited to see what other people make next. And, and uh, it needs a nice, healthy community of people um, buying and creating in order for, for VR to properly take off like we all wanted to do. Yeah, I like showing people the X-Wing demo because it's, it's an X-Wing. <laughs> oh, I've not played that yet. <laughs> oh, really? No, I have. No, I haven't. No, I haven't. no you have to own the X-Wing. That's why I haven't played yeah. it. I've played the one the Vive one where you stood in front of an X-Wing but I haven't actually played you have to actually own the PlayStation the problem is it's like there's so many cool things how do you how do you even start it's buying it's only 20 all this minutes stuff? long that's why it's so awesome oh, <laughs> oh no it's another thing I've got to go and play <laughs> it's only 20 minutes <laughs> 20 minutes John 20 minutes <laughs> alright well I've got to buy the X-Wing game haven't I I've got yeah, to buy Star Wars from there. it's only a tenner is yeah. it Where'd you get that from? Where'd you get that from? They were selling it. It's really cheap. 
you can go in CEX, no one's buying it. Sad, really. Right. Yeah. X-Wing game yeah. in CEX. Yeah. There's top tip of the week. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm always in CEX buying something that I don't need. Don't so need, but there, Yeah, just pop it in. Once you've got the game, you can download it for free. And there you go. So... Brilliant, right. Well, that's my next VR game then. Yeah, yeah. X-Wing it's, experience. It's, 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 it's and and, and <clears throat> I challenge you to go and complete the Resident Evil 7 <laughs> demo. Uh, demo um, and, uh, I don't know. I'm uh, kind of thick-skinned, uh, um, but okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Um. <laughs> uh, but it's interesting because it's the first it's the first example of something that not only has been rated really well in VR, yes. 8s or 9s, but it's tr- proper AAA quality. You know, there's nothing... You can't deny the fact that their implementation and their team and and what they've done there is quite stellar. You know, it would it, it's stellar on a non VR point of view, but actually the VR side they've done such a good job, and it's just so rewarding to see that the big guys are actually starting to build stuff. And it's probably going to be the first example of a game that is platinum on Sony PR, uh, PlayStation VR. Yeah. I'm not to get there, but it'll be its first platinum Sony PlayStation VR game, which is encouraging for the future. Indeed it is. and uh, I, I mean, they can't, make, they can't make Resident Evil 8 without VR support, yeah. so it's sort of a one-way track, really. I, I mean, the, the biggest problem I have, a lot, a, lot of, a lot of commentators said, oh, God, this is just like Connect all over again. No, no, it really isn't. It really, really isn't. But, do you know what? I think 2017 will probably be a bit, bit quiet. Yeah. There'll be stuff announced and shown, teeth, but yeah. you know, 2018, I think we'll start to see the next round of headsets, which is going to be exciting. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me if OG4, they, they show a sneak peek of the next headset in dev, and it, I think we can all guess it's going to be lighter, higher res, yeah. Uh, yeah. etc., etc. But, you know, it's exciting that Revision 2s are going to be on their way, and Revision 1s will become cheaper, and etc., etc., and life, life becomes more affordable. <laughs> so John it's been great having you on I wish you the very thank you for inviting Chris it's, uh, I hope you had a good time I did um, and I wish you the very 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 best of luck in your future endeavours whatever they may be and uh, yeah thanks for coming on oh, it's, honestly it's been my pleasure it's uh, it's great to meet you as well and uh, we'll bump into each other at some pub playing a board game by the sounds of it so. <laughs> alright thanks John. I've got your Skype now you won't be able to get rid of it <laughs> Okay. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Chris. And so ends another episode of the Sausage Factory. Do leave us an iTunes review. And you can also, don't forget, listen to us on Stitcher.com. So just go to Stitcher.com and you can stream the show from there. You just look up the Sausage Factory and you can find us. That'd be great. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris O'Regan, no apostrophes. And uh, if you want to email me any feedback on the show, or actually you're a developer who listen to this show and want your game featured on it, please do email me at chris at spong.com. Also, don't forget to check out the Computer Game Show, which is the stable main podcast, should we say, of Spong.com. Bye!